Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. Welcome, everybody, to Diner Talks with James. I'm James. Super excited to have you here today. And my friends, I just got to go to an actual diner for the first time since like, I don't know, February, January. I was back. I had my first in-person engagement uh, as a speaker since March 7th. Um, It was so lovely to hear laughter again. It's been so quiet. So quiet. My friends, we have an amazing guest coming up is Peter Billigus, uh, one of the funniest men that I know, but I won't say that when he's on camera. Uh, and uh, but just just a just a great man. Uh, and I'm super excited for you to meet him. But friends, come on. We got standards here, y'all. Steiner talks with James. Let's start out with tonight's top three, top three. Here we go. Tina and I just bought a house. We closed on it on Monday. I can't believe it. It's one of the most grown-up things I've ever done. To get married, you need to sign two pieces of paper. Uh, To buy a house, you need to sign 200. Anyway, that's fine. But either way, here are the top three things I'm most excited about having a house. First off, I'm excited to have a backyard. Uh, I'm excited to have a backyard where I can do things like grilling um, and things like that. And your boy, your boy loves to get out there. I'm excited to buy a smoker. I'm out here getting this brisket going, y'all. But most importantly, just to have a backyard to go to. Because this apartment life during COVID has been some garbage. Okay. Next thing that I'm excited about is just having a dedicated office. I mean, I'm currently, everything happens at the kitchen table here. Uh, and everything that we do, it's a it's an apartment. We don't have a spare eating area. I'm just excited to have a place to call my own, my friends. Uh, and last but not least, I'm excited with being done with moving. Moving sucks. All right, next. Peter Billigus is from New England. <clears throat> um, is from New England. And so I decided to come up with a couple of New England things uh, to talk about. So first off, these are my top three New England towns that I have been to. Number one is Camden, Maine. It is adorable. It is picturesque. There are schooners. And also, I once got to go out on a lobster boat with a lobster boat captain. Go ahead and pick up lobster traps. It was an iconic memory. Number two, I'm sorry, Peter, but Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Peter's current town is my second favorite New England town. But the history there is fascinating. It's just a really awesome town to walk around. It is beautiful. But my favorite town in New England is Newburyport, Massachusetts. It's just iconic. Everything is brick. It's beautiful. Uh, It is it's just stunning. The restaurants are incredible uh, and uh, lots of cute shops, you know? I mean, any place that has a nice gentleman shop. I mean, don't mind if I do a haberdashery, you say? I say. And uh, last but not least in the top three, top three uh, is these are Peter. Peter is a, a financial expert. Um, I don't know if he'd call himself that, but I will. And uh, so, but these are three dumb ways that I have spent my money in the past. Here we go. Uh, the first thing is in college, I bought one of those re uh, reoccurring magazine subscriptions, um, and I put it on my first ever credit card that I ever had, and then I stopped paying the credit card, and that affected mine and, unfortunately, my parents' credit score. 
thanks, Predatory Magazine Company. I fell for it. But what I learned in Motor Trend was invaluable. Next, <clears throat> I, I recently, this happened recently during a moment of, uh, recently isn't like five years ago, I bought a vacation package because it sounded so good. I was like, this is incredible. I'm going to buy this vacation package. It was like a two or three day cruise off the coast of Florida. And you get to go out, come back. They put you up, everything. It all sounded too good to be true, probably because it was too good to be true. And uh, so that was cool. That was a waste of money. And the last but not least is that I went on vacation when I was younger. I went to Cancun with my family. It was one of the stops on a cruise. No, not this cruise, a much different cruise. I was 14. We went to Cancun. And, uh, and I was in there. We were walking around the shops of Cancun. I was with my cousins who were all older than me. No, it wasn't spring break. It wasn't creepy. Uh, it was just a lovely time in Cancun. And, uh, and, and I saw this gentleman selling some hoodies that I really liked. They were like those hemp-looking hoodies. And I said, I really want one of those hoodies. And I learned that you could haggle in the markets. Even as a 14-year-old, your boy had game. And so I was up there, and I said, I was like, listen, all I got – all I got is 15 bucks. That's it. The guy was like 25, 25. That's all I got. I was like 15. That's all I got is 15. And then I learned, if you're going to haggle, you walk away. And so I walked away. He said, fine, we can do 15. I was like, cool. Can you break a 20? And we did that. So I got this sweet hoodie. I was so proud of myself. My brothers were proud of me. And they were like, oh, shoot, James, show us the hoodie that you bought. And I showed it to him. I held him up proudly. I had two geckos dancing on it. And it turns out, as my brothers told me, mom and dad are going to kill you. I said, why? He said, take a look at what those geckos are doing again. And my friends, they were not cha-chaing. Uh, they were doggy styling. Okay, tonight's top three, top three, my friends. That's what we got. That's what we got. So, <laughs> uh I'm glad I have a Cancun story. It's just very different than most people's. <laughs> so, my friends, tonight's guest is the one, the only Peter Billigus. Uh, he and I have known each other for a handful of years on the speaker circuit. Uh, he's an incredible man. I went to one of his sessions because I wanted to learn. It was at a conference for students, and he was talking about financial literacy, and I said, I need a little bit of help with that. See previous comments. And so I went to the session, and he is the only person that I've ever gone and seen who makes financial literacy exciting, sticky, approachable. Um, and he really made me believe that maybe I could tame this beast, which was irresponsibility. Um, and, uh, but after that session, I approached him because he was also hysterical. And he and I become great friends. Um, he is someone who I just respect an incredible amount. Um, he is an author, uh, and I'm really excited for him to tell you about it. He's got two books that he's working on, and they couldn't be more different, but I'm excited for him to talk to you about those. Uh, we may talk about clam chatter at some point here as well. You're welcome in advance. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Peter Billigus. Hey, hey good evening, everybody. Did I read that perfectly correctly? Perfect. That was great. That was Excellent. absolutely great. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> you, yeah, you earned your full fee on that one. Yes. Peter, what's up, brother? I love that story about the dancing geckos. The I dancing have never heard geckos. that one before. Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. for sure. <laughs> there you go. Ashley, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, the dancing geckos. Yeah, my parents uh, weren't happy. I still own that. Um, I've literally never worn it. Um, okay, but the I still question own is it. why. The question Just, is why, but yeah, go ahead. Why haven't I worn it or why do I still own it? Both valid questions. Exactly, yes. Let's take them one at a time. Yeah, for sure. Why do I still own it? Shame. Uh, <laughs> and it's a great story. 
Sure. Yes. Um, it yep. now smells horrible. Um, okay. But because uh, now, I mean, at this point, it's 24 years old or something like that. Sure. Um, sure. And uh, uh, why haven't and what was the other question? I forgot our two. Questions. Why haven't you worn it? Why haven't I worn a shame is the answer to that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. It sure. Shame Just, for, uh, okay, yep. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I went, I mean, am I going to wear that around high school? I'd probably get kicked off, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was. Where could you? Yeah. I mean, pro, I, I, what I would do is maybe just Google your local dancing geckos chapter, and then I think you'd find a bunch <laughs> of folks there that would have the same shirt, right? Yeah, finally, finally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I'm doing a, uh, I'm, do, I'm doing a, a free webinar tomorrow on how to make friends as an adult. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, I hadn't looked up the Dancing Geckos chapter here, Peter. I may need sure. to cancel, cancel That's the right. webinar because I may have figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I get. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, yeah I, I would love to see you in that that sweatshirt someday. It's okay. got to have a purpose. It, it didn't just come into your life for no reason. It came into your life for some reason. For some reason. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe it was this moment right here. Could be. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. This, like, this serious clickbait moment. Yeah. One day you were like, I need to tell a stupid purchase story. Yep. I'm getting this now. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> so uh, can I give you a really, uh, can I give you a very quick, a really stupid purchase story that, that I did? I would love that. So I can't remember the the show exactly, but I think it was the show The Wire, okay? Mm-hmm. The HBO show The Wire. I, and I think that was the show. I uh, was on Amazon Prime and I was watching, you know, just clicking around and I was like, I, I used to, I saw that show when it first came out and I loved it. It was on Amazon Prime and I'm like, you know what? I really like this show. I'm going to buy episode one for $2.99. So I bought it. Love that. And then I bought the second one. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy the season. And over the next two days, I watched The Wire. I just binge watched season one that I bought for $29. Yeah. Only to find out it was for free on Netflix, which I also subscribed to. <laughs> so after I watched the whole thing and paid for the whole thing, I was on Netflix. I'm like, oh, let's see what's on Netflix. The Wire. The Wire. <laughs> cool, yeah. cool, cool. But you supported those starving artists. Peter. I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Who are on their fifteenth round of royalties? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The wire. The wire. Cats of the wire are struggling. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> to spend their their money. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. We brought up we brought up high school, Peter, and uh, that this happened to me in high school. Um, mm-hmm. What were you like back in high school? If I were to meet a young Peter Billigus, what was what was that man like? Uh, absolutely no change at all, especially in terms of appearance. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I was the guy always cracking jokes. Uh, yeah. I was, um, uh, in, in high school, uh, I was a, I wouldn't want to say I was an athlete, but I sort of had that Forrest Gump twang to me that I could run really fast. <laughs> so like I played varsity lacrosse, yeah. but it was not because I was very good at lacrosse, it was because I could run fast. And they were like, this is a very specific position you're going to play, Peter. Yeah. And we just need you to run and get the ball. And then you can just get off the field once we've gotten the ball and <laughs> we'll take it from here kind of thing. So I played a very <laughs> unusual position in lacrosse called a long stick midfield. Mm. Um, and it was just that's the position you give to somebody who can, who can run fast. Um, but I did a lot of theater in, uh, in high school, which it's one of those things that I know we're going to talk more about this, that you do it and you enjoy it at the time or whatever, and you don't realize just how much it will help you later on in life. Cause that's, yeah. 
pretty much what, what I do for a living now, or it didn't until the world shut down. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell people, people like, what do you do? I was like, well, I used to go to crowded rooms of people that were breathing on each other and try to make yeah. them laugh. <laughs> yeah. Now I try to get my dog to go outside right. a few times a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's interesting because in in the midst of this pandemic, you have also found creativity um, and sure. you have also yeah. kind of uh, used it as an opportunity and not just as a, well, I guess I'll just wait till the world comes back kind of right. moment. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is, yes, we're going to talk about uh, you know, some some of the awesome uh, knowledge that you have and tap into that knowledge bank right. uh, around finances and whatnot because it's a fast. I'd be curious to see how you got into that. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Uh, but I love it because you are, if you look yourself up on the internet, you are very wealth focused. In other words, you're teaching individuals about what to do with wealth and you're providing tips. A lot of your seminars are on it, right? And so I love this this fun side of Peter Billigus that has come out where you're writing a, or have written now, a, a, a fiction novel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where did, where did that come about? And, and, you know, how did we, was that something that was kind of always, was that the, the thespian Peter that just kind of popped back up? Uh, and or like, how did that, yeah. where did that come from? Well, that's a great question. It, so it was always there. Um, sure. And sometimes like, uh, I think sometimes maybe you choose the path and sometimes the path chooses you. And I knew that I always wanted to be a writer. And it just happened that in college, the, idea uh, of writing a nonfiction book on money management for college students kind of bubbled up and the world around me sort of grabbed onto that idea of the book and said, this is a, a good idea to write this nonfiction book, mm -hmm. go with it. Um, and so I did, and I wrote a, a nonfiction book on money management for, for college students. And I sold that to uh, a major publisher and went on to become a, a professional speaker. Uh, but it was a couple of years ago when I was cleaning out um, my parents' garage, some of the stuff that I had in my parents' garage, and I opened this box and it was filled with all the stuff that was related to my first nonfiction book. Okay. Mm. And at the time, for whatever reason, this was, uh, this was almost 18 years ago, okay, that that book sold. And at the time, I don't know why, but I was in the habit of printing out every email that I sent to my agent. This was back in the days of, well, we're never going to send that many emails. This will never become overwhelming. So, so I, I printed out every email that I sent to my agent and every email that he sent to me. And I, I found this email two years ago. So you're the reason why we now have to put that at the bottom of our emails. Exactly. Please I'm don't the, I print. am responsible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Some of those even say, hello, Peter. That means you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. So a couple of years so, ago. So I'm going through these emails. And this was a couple of years ago, just cleaning out my parents' garage. And I was like, oh, that's, a, that's one of my boxes. That's one of my boxes. And I, I opened this box and I'm looking at these emails that are in a binder. And it's kind of fun seeing the progression of the sale of my first book of like my agent said, you know, we we have a meeting. We are hoping to get an offer. We have an offer. We counter offered, you know, kind of that progression. And once the deal was done, I found an email that I wrote to him and I said, uh, you know, thank you for representing me on this book. I'm so glad we sold it. I'm, I'm very excited to do that. And I kind of went and you know, thanked him for the whole journey and everything. Yeah. But I did also add 
in this email that I found two years ago that was over, over 18 years old, I wrote to him and I said, I want you to know that my real dream is to write fiction. And I would wow. like to talk, yes, and I would like to talk with you about that, you know, at some time in the future. And uh, and then life came along and sort of pushed me, or, or I ran with it, whatever, this idea of talking about money management, writing books on money management. And I went in that direction for, for 18 years. Um, and I, two years ago, I found that, that box. And in that box was that email that I said to, sent to my agent. And uh, I still have the same literary agent, uh, almost 20 years with this guy. Wow. That's, and, that's um, a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Very blessed to have that. And I had had this idea for a novel for maybe six or so years. And it was, it, it was the thing I worked on when I was done all my other stuff. Mm -hmm which meant I didn't really work on it all that much. Yeah, right, is when yeah. are you done all your other stuff? You know, sure. it was kind of below laundry and cleaning the bathroom. Right. Uh, that's, <laughs> you know, when I would get to it. Yeah. And, uh, and once I read that email, I said, Peter, that you didn't just find that email. You know, th this email, like the, the dancing gecko sweatshirt, serves a purpose. Mm, and, yes, yes. And that email, you know, <laughs> that email was like, okay, this thing, now needs to become the first thing you do every day rather than the last thing you do every day. And uh, so over the past two years, I've really been cranking on it and it is now yeah. in layout, which means the glue is drying. How hard was that uh, to, to, to make that switch, right? A lot of people have the idea of like, hey, this is a dream I had, but they talk mm -hmm. about it just like that in past tense, right? But you sure. decided, no, I'm going to move this to present and future tense. Um, like this is a book I will, uh, I'm writing and I will write sure. and, you know, or whatnot. I mean, how, how hard was it for you to basically, because you have this, this well-known reputation and, and clients that book you year in and year out and you're growing the business and you have so many things that have gone so well for you in the money management sector for you to be like, yeah, but this, <laughs> right. but this actually, right? I mean, that's something sure. that a lot, sure. so, many, so many people are always like, I've always wanted to do this, but I'm too deep into this. So I guess right. I'll just never right. do that anymore. But you defied that. How that, how, how did you do it? Uh, so the first thing I realized is it, it just has to be first priority. And for yeah. me, first priority meant first thing in the morning. Um, you know, for some people that might be the last thing of the day or whatever. But for me, it was I'm I'm waking up uh, an hour early and this is the first thing that I do. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, I have no idea when it comes out, whether it will confuse people about like, wait a minute, I thought this guy talks about finance and now he's written this, you know, <laughs> murder mystery book and like what? Um, but, it, you know, it's one of those things that you just you there's never going to be a good time to do it. You have to realize that, you know, I don't know yeah. any of your listeners in detail, but I know every single one of them probably does not have this magical period of time that's going to arrive in three months or six months or two years. Yeah. Uh, there's never going to be a good time to do it. So the time to make it happen is, is now and just carving out. Um, I originally set this little goal for myself of three pages a day. And, you know, sometimes those pages, which I will probably never let anyone read, uh, were horrible. You know, they were just like, 
literally the main, I would type like the main character flies to Colorado for some reason. Like that's what I would literally type, you know. This is gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, because I needed Challenger. Him, right, exactly. Because I needed him in Colorado for the next thing, but I was like, yeah. I have no idea why he goes. Uh, <laughs> once he gets there, he figures this out. But why does he go in the first place? So I would just write like, you know, the main character's name is Stan. I would just write Stan flies to Colorado and finds something that makes him do this. And that was my part of my three pages. Um, awesome. And eventually from that, uh, a, uh, you know, the, the novel emerged. That's so cool, man. Uh, <clears throat> that's beautiful. And I think, I mean, I, I like the way you put it is that, you know, the way that you got there was by setting small goals, which I mean, that's kind of yeah. like this, right this this big book that's out right now atomic habits that everybody's talking sure. about and that's mm -hmm. kind of what they they talk about in that book it's like and you know big changes start from small changes sure. um yeah. and and so that idea of uh you know, just starting this small it's like i'm gonna write three pages or maybe it's not even three pages right? maybe it's like i know for me uh, with the book that i'm that i'm gonna be working on my goal is 500 words a day um sure. and uh and and so whatever that is <clears throat> i don't even know how many pages that is i know it's one microsoft word document um but right. uh but th that's all i know um and so sure. uh but that idea of like how do you 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 don't turn the ship by like swinging the wheel all the way around right you gotta you gotta slowly bring it around like it just doesn't sure. turn um yeah. so yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i you know the other thing that that i learned and i have read atomic habits and i i, I think it's a great book i highly mm -hmm. recommend it uh the other thing that at least i learned in in that daily writing was it's uh it's okay to be terrible um <laughs> my, you know my goal was three pages i never said my goal was three good pages sure. or three well-written pages or three grammatically correct pages. It yeah. was just that three pages. And by kind of sticking to that and not getting hung up on, is this any good? Or is this, does this even make sense? Or where does this even fit in? None of that uh, I concerned myself with. It was just get those three pages um, in. And a lot yeah. of it was, you know, cut out eventually, but, uh, but by keeping that goal, that's what made it happen. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, that's so cool. I'm super excited for that uh, to come out. I think that's going to feel really surreal uh, to hold to hold something that you talked about however many years ago and like here you are. Sure. Boom. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Brother. I'm pumped for you. Uh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited as well. It's been a long time coming. Very yeah. long time coming. Sure, sure. For sure. <clears throat> um, you know, Peter, it's interesting because uh, like like we said, you have. Uh, made uh, a lot of your a, a lot of your reputation has been built on being someone who works at, in money management, um, but that's not really necessarily where you got your start. Um, did you get? Didn't you get your start uh, as some sort of an actor? Did that happen? When did when did that when did that come into your world? So it it came into so what I used to do for uh, probably about four years. Uh, part time, uh, but it paid enough that it it allowed me to to take a lot of time off and 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 focus on writing my first book. Um, but I used to be uh, a professional voiceover artist, and I would do the voiceovers um, for corporate training films. So if you get a job um, at uh, or back in the day, if you got a job at uh, Dunkin' Donuts. CVS Pharmacy, Bed Bath & Beyond, American Eagle Outfitters, uh, 
Boar's Head Beef and this one um, assisted living facility in Massachusetts, uh, you would hear my voice. Um, and, uh, you know, these were corporate training films. So like when you get a job at, say, a Dunkin Donuts or something, what they do is they sit you down and they make you watch like 15 hours a video like what do you do with a surly customer what do you do if a customer comes into the to the uh, restaurant or the coffee shop who is blind or what do you do if somebody wants their money back you know all those kind of situations uh how do you make a cappuccino how do you slice a bagel how do you how much cream cheese do you put on and um so i was the voiceover for all of those kinds of things and uh i did that for uh, about four years working for a company in in the Boston area that specialized in um, in corporate training films. That's incredible. <laughs> so I was just an, yeah. friend, like, now did somebody did somebody come up to you while you were at a Dunkin' Donuts and be like, "Hey, that uh, you got some chops over there, Billigus? <laughs> Why don't you step into well, the booth for a minute?" Like, like, how did that even happen? Or were you like, or were you like, "Yo, I think I can do this"? Like, wh- how does uh, one become a voiceover artist? So what what happened to me is I was at a party and I I met this this guy that I just was I stood next to him in the at the party and I and I said something to him and his voice was just pure gold. Like just whoa, and uh, I said, you know, <laughs> it, it really was. And I said something like, "You should sell cars with that voice." And he said something like, "I, I do sell cars with this voice." And he mentioned that he does some of the some car commercials with his with his voice. And then I asked him about it, and I and it turns out he had an agent who like books him to do these things, and um, and he said I should go talk to her. So I talked to her and I did do a reading for her and she told me the good news and the bad news. And the bad news oh, was no. is that, yeah, I know. <laughs> the bad news was is that my voice was not good enough for um, commercials. That was the bad news. The good news was she said that I read very well and I could do corporate training films. And the good news with corporate training films is while a commercial is maybe 60 seconds, Corporate training films are 15 hours. So there's just a lot more work um, available. And um, and yeah, I did that for about four years. That is unbelievably random. And that was a yeah. side hustle of yours. Uh, that was, yeah. At the time, I was uh, doing a bunch of different stuff in the financial world. I was uh, working for H&R Block. I eventually started teaching for H&R Block. I was teaching for New Hampshire Housing. Uh, so, and, and while I was writing my first book on uh, money management, and uh, I got to do all these like little jobs in the financial world to get a lot of experience very quickly in the financial world. And it was the voiceover stuff that really uh, you know, put some fuel in the tank, if you will, to keep that all going. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's so awesome. And I, I can only imagine that that helped you in your future career of being a speaker. How do the, I mean, how do those part, like how do the, I mean, obviously you don't write your speeches out word for word and then deliver them through a sultry voice. Like right. through booth. Um, I mean, now you do because COVID, yes, of course. But, uh, right. <laughs> but, still, uh, but before, um, <laughs> but before uh, like, I mean, how did that, how did that impact your ability to deliver a message on a stage. Well, it, uh, so I had a lot of, I guess, paid voice training because a lot of times you're in a studio with a director 
as well as a um, uh, the, the, you know the audio engineer. And I was reading. Um, uh, I love your comment, Adam. Absolutely, no problem. Um, I I was reading a. Um, you know, the scripts that I was reading were, like I said, like how to how to make a cappuccino, how to yeah. slice a bagel, how to mop a floor after you spilled a, you know, a vanilla shake on it. Right. Um, and I, so, you know, totally boring, monotonous stuff. But, you know, you had to make it at least somewhat interesting. And I had a director who would tell me when to pause and, you know, emphasize cream cheese you know this sentence is all about the cream cheese literally you know and i'm like okay it is about the cream cheese you know um and Bill sort of talks cream cheese <laughs> crescendo <laughs> boy <laughs> right exactly and yeah you wouldn't believe some of the like direction i got about things like you know um i remember one word i didn't want to say but they forced me to say it was the word slushy so there was like you know you want the drink to be to be slushy and i'm like can we change that word and and uh they basically tell me that the script is is written by this these writers but it's actually approved by the legal team yeah and that the legal team was not having slushy cut out of there so the word slushy stayed but yeah so i i learned a lot about emphasizing Ridiculous. words yeah <laughs> emphasizing words when to pause how to yeah. read at a certain pace and certainly all that helped years later when when I started making a living on stage. Yeah, for sure, dude. That's awesome. I love it. But while you were doing the voiceover stuff, that's when you were also kind of in the midst of the early stages of your financial, uh, I, I guess, financial advisory career um, sure. and, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, you said that you worked at HR Block for a while. What was mm -hmm. it about? What was it about money? Uh, or I guess wealth or the management of it or the impact of it? Like what What was it about? Yeah, we'll just stick with that. What was it about money that drew you to that as a potential career choice? Sure, yeah. So when I was in college, I uh, got credit cards because uh, they would give them to me. I went to school during what I call the golden age of credit cards where you, you know, if you sign this form, they'll give you a coupon for a free pizza. And, you know, you, the form is a credit card form, but I was just like, did somebody say pizza? And, you know, so if you want me to sign your form, I'll get, uh, and I get a free pizza, I'll sign your form. So I had uh, about eight credit cards, I think, my first year of college. Um, <laughs> so my know, story so, really resonated with you earlier. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I had eight credit cards or another way to say that, or, or the way I thought of it is I had eight free pizzas. You know, sure, or yeah. I think I got a frisbee too from one guy and some candy bars. Um, and and uh, you know, and I had this money, and um, I charged on my credit cards, and I didn't really understand how they worked. I just, you know, I charged a hundred dollars, and they only wanted me to pay fifteen of it back. And I was like, okay, sure, here's your fifteen. And then I would charge two hundred, and they only wanted uh, maybe forty dollars back. Yeah. No problem. And eventually it got to $5,000 that I owed. And uh, it came about that that one minimum payment uh, came in and I couldn't even make the minimum payment mm. on one card. And I knew that that was uh, a problem. Um, you know, if, they, if I owe them this much, I can't even pay this much. That's a big problem. So I ended up uh, reading a couple books on personal finance and very quickly two things hit me very hard. Number one was... Um, how 
much potential a young person had when it comes to money management because of the power of compound interest. And number two, just how many other college students were exactly like me. Uh, have it, you know, we don't, we teach this a little bit better now, but at the time we didn't teach it in schools. Right. So you kind of figure it out on your own and you, you know, you, a lot of us figure it out real quick when the collection agent calls and tells you you're going to, they're going to ruin your credit score. And you're like, Oh, I have a credit score. What is that? You know? <laughs> and then that's how you learn. Am I winning? Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, and you know, I had my phone shut off, um, cause I didn't pay it. And so, you know, I started to learn that like, there's a lot of potential if you start young and then there's a lot of people just like me. And, uh, so, you know, that's what kind of inspired me to start helping other people, um, with finance as I was trying to get my own finances uh, in order. And um, yeah, it's just been one of those things. I mean, the, the wonderful thing about personal finance is that, you know, it's kind of like, or it's kind of the opposite of say, like working out or learning Japanese. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great if you could go to the gym once and lose 20 pounds. It'd be great if you could go to one class on Japanese and be fluent in Japanese, but you can't. In the world of personal finance, there are some things that you do and they you never have to do them again, or you have to just do them once a year and it will, it will take care of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just realized that the more I talked about it, the more I realized how many people needed to hear this, uh, this message. And it just kind of exploded from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and I, as you have been able to go around the country and teach it, um, it's got to feel pretty cool to know the impact that you're making, because I think I mean, I think we could both agree that financial literacy is something that is not taught in schools and needs to be right. Like, sure. I mean, you yeah. can teach me macro and microeconomics, but you didn't teach me my credit score. You didn't teach me about uh, 401ks or, or this mm -hmm. or like any of that. Like you didn't really teach me about saving. Right. Um, sure. And so uh, generational wealth or right? like anything. Mm -hmm. uh, none of those things are in the, in the conversation. Um, and so the fact that you can get brought in to these institutions that aren't teaching that and provide that message, I mean, how has that how has that felt for you? What have you heard from audiences and like what 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 kind of feedback have you gotten? Well, the wonderful thing is that uh, in doing what we do is that, you know, you'll get feedback uh, right after your program. Then you'll get it a couple days after your program, then a week or whatever. And it'll die down. But what I love about what I do is that every morning when I check my email, I just have no idea if there's going to be an email from someone that says, Peter, I saw you five years ago at my college, you know, first year orientation, and now I'm getting married. So I have this question about personal finance, you know, <laughs> and or I'm trying to buy a house. Is it true you have to do this? And that just really means that, you know, I spent maybe maybe an hour with these folks yep. and maybe some of them didn't even come up and talk to me. You know, we never had a connection uh, except for that one hour presentation. But five years later, they knew to reach out to me and, and, and you know, seek to improve their financial lives. So that's just an incredibly rewarding uh, part of, of what we do. That's badass, brother. Yeah. Um, that's what that is right there. <clears throat> um, and a credit to who you are as a teacher um, as well. <clears throat> and uh, that's awesome. So so you have all these fun nuggets about sure. the financial world and about, you know different things and whatnot. Do you have a random fact or a random story about uh, about finances that uh, that you'd love to share? Uh, you mean a, a, like, a, like, like a weird, a, like a weird, like a what's a weird thing that, you know, uh, that like a lot of people don't know. Sure. Um, 
a weird okay well I'll, so i'll give you a fun tip how's that Great. yeah that's that perfect work? okay yeah, that's probably so, what i was supposed to ask for uh, yeah. um yeah uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, so so going back to what i was mentioning earlier like you know it would be great if you could go to the gym once and suddenly be in perfect shape um so this tip shows two important parts of personal finance one is that there are things we can just do immediately and they will change our lives uh, even if it's just a little bit. And number two, a lot of personal finance, uh, you've already heard it, but you just didn't take immediate action on it. And so this is a great thing that I love to do with, with folks. And that is this website. And if you can throw it up, James, it's a great website to throw up. It is uh, the website unclaimed.org. The word unclaimed.org. Unclaimed.org. So un Unclaimed.org is the uh, website of the National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators. And these are the folks that work in your unclaimed.org. .org, sorry. .org, yes. I'm a great uh, listener. <laughs> so, it's all right. As long as you don't have a podcast, that's fine. That should be fine. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so this is the website in the National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators. Uh, James, as you and I know, there's an association for everything. And this is theirs. Uh, these are the folks that work in the uh, your state's Department of Revenue Unclaimed Property Division. And what that division is, is that's when, you know, James, you're in an apartment right now. You just bought a house. Congratulations. Thank so you're going to be moving out of your apartment uh, and you're going to be canceling your Internet there, your electricity, your, you know, whatever else uh, there. And then you're going to be moving to your house. Um if the deposit maybe that you put down for your cable or your internet doesn't follow you to your house, if it doesn't, if the mail doesn't catch up with you, then what the cable company is going to do is they're going to put, uh, they're going to send that deposit to the uh, your state's unclaimed property division saying, we're looking for James. This is his cable deposit. We tried to send it along to the forwarding address. It didn't get there. It came back. So we're sending it to these guys. So if you have any unclaimed money in your name, whether that's an inheritance or a refund on a cable bill or an electric bill or a cell phone bill or a bank account you closed with some money in it, all of that money is going to wind up uh, at uh, on that website. OK, uh, first time I went there, I had seventeen dollars and seventy seven cents in my name. Oh, that's Last why you bought dinner. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, Last time I had over five hundred dollars in my name. Really? Yeah. And I have uh, worked with audiences that have had several thousand dollars uh, in their name, uh, audience members. And again, while people are, are watching the show, they can check right now and see if they have any money in their name. Uh, you can type in your name in any state that you've ever lived in. And the other cool thing is you can type in your friends' names. Uh, you can, I can type in your name in That's Minnesota. That's kind of crazy. You can, can look just, up other people's stuff. Yes, you can. You can't claim their money, but you can sure. certainly let them know, you know, hey, you have 500 bucks, uh, claim it and then get me a plane ticket to come visit you. Something like that. You can yeah, do. yeah. <laughs> um, and so this is a website we just need to go to every year for the rest of our lives. And uh, anybody who's moved, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and anybody who's moving around a lot, military folks, college students, whatever, if you're moving around a lot, it's a great, great website to, to check because there's a good chance you've left money behind somewhere. And so they just, I mean, they just, you, you reach out to them, say, that's my money. And I mean, obviously they have to do some sort of verification, whatnot. And then you just get a check in the mail, you know, a month later, yep. or something like that. 
Yeah, uh, depending on how much money there is, uh, there's different hoops you need to jump through. Like my, uh, even for my $500 amount, I had to photocopy both sides of my license Mm -hmm. and I had to get a a sign a form and get it notarized. That was that. If you had $50,000 or $500,000 in your name, you might have to actually go down to your state's treasury uh, department building and and meet with some people uh, for the larger amounts. But for the small ones, Usually it's a license, maybe two forms of ID, uh, notarized form, something like that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fun. That's, that's delightfully random and super helpful. Yeah. Peter, I want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, some, I guess, a financial, let's call them tips or misunderstandings or things like that, uh, because I'm just curious to pick your brain uh, as, you know, we enter this world of maturity. Uh, let's go to this, jump into this segment first, Peter. This segment is called Things You Didn't Know About Me That You Now Are Grateful That You Do. Uh, mm-hmm. This one thing you should notice, Peter, I know this is your first time on the show, um, is that sure. the name of the segment changes every time, uh, but it's the same general idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like it. Yep. Um, so uh, so here is a – I'll go first, a random fact about me, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then we'll go uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll ping pong for a little bit. Um, so a, a random fact about me is that uh, – I once owned the fastest United States production car made in 1987. It was a Buick Grand National. It was black. It had T-tops, and it beat the Corvette that year. Fun random fact. Wow. Okay. All right, Peter. If you didn't Very think I was nice. that attractive before, huh? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour. Wow. so yeah well and you mentioned uh during that magazine uh uh scam you were involved with on the wrong end motor trend so are you a big uh motor guy i didn't i I didn't it's a random thing about me that most people don't know but yeah if you if you were to look at my instagram um a significant portion of accounts that I follow of people I don't know are either mm-hmm. nature photographers or car, uh, different like car uh, sources or blogs or car owners or, or things like that. Um, yeah, I'm, okay. I, I love cars. Yeah, my, my mom, I used to ask my mom if we can go sit outside um, and uh, and I would tell her what kind of cars drove by when I was younger and I could, mm-hmm. uh, I would be able to know, it was a point in my life where I could tell you almost every car by their taillights at night. Um, and right. so yeah, wow. yeah, super. Yeah, okay. but it's it's funny. I know a lot of cars, and I know a lot about brands of cars and things like that, and why each car is significant. But mm-hmm. you put me under a hood, and I'm just like, yep, that's wow. where the engine goes. Um, and that's about <laughs> that's about what I know. Change gotcha. the oil, replace the fluids, and put some gas in it. So gotcha. Okay. Well, that's more <laughs> than I do. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> The last time I opened uh, the hood, I realized it was the trunk uh, after about five minutes. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, so a random uh, fact about me that you did not know, or whatever the title is this week. Yeah, for you, sure. That you did. Uh, uh, so I am terrified of um, the sight of blood. Terrified of the sight of blood? Yes. So, and I would, would throw into that, I don't like uh, needles at all. Uh, so it is a major operation when I have to go get a blood test um, because I have to lie down flat yeah. 
and then uh, when I get up, I need, depending on their size, uh, two or three nurses or medical assistants to walk me back to the waiting room. Then they don't allow me to leave the waiting room for about 20 minutes. Then I have to sign a form that says I'm okay to drive before they let me walk out of the waiting room. This is incredible. Yeah. Okay. I got a lot of questions. Um, I got a lot of stories. Did something bad happen when you were younger that triggered this fear? Or has it just kind of always been something that's been a part of your world? Uh, I don't know what the, the earliest recollection that I have of it was uh, in the movie theater. I saw the movie uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which, sure. as you know, uh, starring Rick Moranis. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> starring Rick Moranis. And obviously he there's this plant uh, plant from outer space that drinks blood. And there was a scene where he like pricked his finger. So it wasn't like a lot of like the the blood gushing you know, Zack Snyder 300 Sparta battle doesn't bother me. But it's like the (laughs) stuff that looks like real uh, or the small amounts of it really do. And I remember in Little Shop of Horrors, I just was feeling dizzy. I walked into the bathroom and then I woke up on the bathroom floor of the movie theater. What? How old were you? Oh, not, I... I don't even know, but I was a kid. I was a kid. My mom was in the movie theater with me and my brother. It was me, my mom, and my brother. Yeah. So I fell on the bathroom floor, um, and I woke up, and I didn't even know. I had never fainted before. I didn't even know what, what you know, that was. I'm just like, you know, and then I explained it to my mom, and, I, and she was like, I think you fainted. Um, and then I fainted again uh, in sixth grade when I went to the um, – the next school that I was going to, uh, it happened to be, as luck would have it, they were watching a film, uh, a video on uh, the circulatory system. Sure. And I passed out there visiting the school. Um, just visiting the school? Just visiting the school. I was like, yeah, I, I, I said, I, I have to leave this room. And then in the hallway, I passed out again uh, from the side wow, of Wow, that's fascinating. Yes. So yeah. this well, is and the, the yeah. Good. Sorry. So the the kicker one, or the 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 funniest one, I guess, at the maybe not at the time, is that I was on a uh, first date, oh, no. and I saw the movie Interview with a Vampire with Tom Cruise and and Brad Pitt, sure. and uh, I didn't pass out, but I, so on this first date, I literally I, it gets to a certain scene, and I'm feeling you know very queasy, <laughs> and I literally just get up. When I and without saying anything to the girl I was with, I didn't say anything. I just was like, I, I gotta, I gotta go. And I leave and I am like breaking out into this cold sweat. And I go outside. It was maybe like October. I know it was the fall. And outside the movie theater, I lay down on the sidewalk and unbutton my shirt to just like cool down. And I'm just lying on the sidewalk Whoa. with my shirt down. My date is in the movie. Not knowing what, yep. where did this guy go? Okay, is he going to drive me home or did he just take off halfway through the date? Uh, the manager of the movie theater comes out and he says, "Sir, do you need us? Do you do you need us to call you an ambulance?" And I was like, "No, no, no. I just need a few more minutes and then I'll go back in." Um, 
Surprised to say, James, I actually did get a second date. Oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, no. So I am. So yes, I am. Uh, I am. I am terrified of the sight of blood. Yes. Wow. Chest to pavement outside of the movie theater. Uh, yeah. That's yep. incredible. Um, that's also fascinating that, every, I mean, getting blood, I mean, that's something that's only going to happen more in our lives, right? Sure. As we yep. get older. Um, and so it's it's fascinating. I mean, at this point, I would assume your hospital or the GP that you go to just kind of like knows the deal. And like, all right, Billy Gus is coming in. Let's uh, let's send the squad in. So the last time I had a blood draw was this very specific blood test that I got was in it. It was just this one woman and she was amazing. A lot of times, though, with my insurance, I go to this place and you don't even need an appointment. You just go in and I just so it's always different people. And I, when I go in, I just have to say, like, I'm, you know, I'm afraid Everybody of the sight of blood. I don't like, <laughs> right. And they say that they say like, oh, yeah, yeah, we see that all the time. I'm like, OK. Right. And then, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That is a fun fact. It's quite a production. Yeah. We yeah. got to film it at some point, but I just haven't had the courage to do that yet. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. Normally when guests share a story, I'll then be like, oh, that makes me think of this story. I will now not do that for you. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, just really for liabilities reasons. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are recording, so it would be worth it. But uh, wow, that's amazing, Peter. Uh, thank you for sharing that for sure. sure. Um, it's so We have all these random facts about ourselves, and I just think it's fun to share them. Uh, and I think that... Uh, um, one of the things that I've appreciated about our friendship is that whenever we're together, it's a lot of laughs, right? And a lot of sure. tomfoolery yeah. and whatnot. But also, you are an incredible resource. And I mean, one of the uh, one of the things that happened that I just this really blew me away and forever grateful is that when Tina and I uh, got engaged, um, you got on the phone and just called me out of the blue, and you said, "Hey." Uh, you're getting married. Uh, what I want to do is I would love to offer you all just um, a couple of sessions or just conversations sure. just to make sure that you get on uh, the right track financially as a couple and do things early as opposed to later. And uh, I don't know, man, that's the kind of thing that like friends don't do. Um, and, uh, and and it just, it just it speaks to your character as a man. Um, and so I, I can't thank you enough for that moment. And I like doing it publicly to embarrass you. Um, yeah, and sure. uh, but no, but seriously, man, thank you for that. Um, but there, sure. there is just so much wisdom inside of you. Um, and I'm curious because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the listeners that are, that are often here, um, or, or I feel like most individuals are kind of floating somewhere in their thirties, forties and stuff like that. Uh, my parents are usually here as well. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, a lot of people are gearing up for retirement um, sure. and, and just like the idea of planning for it and whatnot. And so, you know, I don't know if there's any tips and tricks. You know, you told me you're working on a second book. Um, yeah. If you could tell us a little bit about the second book and maybe some nuggets from there that you've uh, picked up. Sure. Uh, the, the second book is uh, what it's about is about maximizing your retirement income stream. Okay. And the the thing that we're all trying to do, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, is you're probably trying to save uh, as much money as you possibly can in some sort of tax account, like a 401k or an IRA or something like that. Mm -hmm. We're trying to just get this big nest egg. We use that term all the time, nest egg. And that's great. And that feels great. Like, look how much I've saved or look how well the market's done or look how much it's grown. 
Um, but when you get to retirement, we're all going to face something that's pretty ugly. And the best way to think about this thing that we're going to face is to picture yourself on a desert island. And if okay. you picture yourself on a desert island and imagine you have plenty of food, you know, with banana trees and you can fish and, and all that. But on this desert island, you are only able to take one barrel of water from your ship. So you got plenty of food, but you only have this one barrel of water. The question is, how much water are you going to drink every day? And the answer is, well, you're probably going to drink the minimum amount every day because you don't know when it's going to rain and you don't know when you're going to get rescued. So you have to assume I might be on this island, you know, Tom Hanks style. I might be here a while. OK, yeah. <laughs> so I might be here a while. So I'm just going to take the smallest sips possible. Well, when you get to retirement, you have that same problem because you don't know how the market's going to perform year after year. In other words, you don't know the rain, the weather, and then yeah. you don't know when you're going to get rescued or you don't know how long you're going to live. So you might live for five years in your retirement or 45 years in your retirement. Mm -hmm. And since you don't know, we all have to plan as if we're going to live 45 years, which means we all have to take small sips from our retirement nest egg. We got to sure. take little amounts out. And there's this thing that financial advisors don't like to talk about for obvious reasons. And it's called the safe withdrawal rate. And that is when you have a nest egg of a million dollars or $500,000 or whatever your nest egg is, how much can you take out safely every year for your retirement to ensure you don't run out of money? Uh, and there was a guy that none of us have ever heard of, but his name is William Bengen. And William Bengen in the 1990s, he said, you can take out 4%. And that became the 4% rule. And that was cool uh, in the 90s, like all the other things that were cool in the 90s. So many but, things. Exactly. But a lot of those things may not be cool right now, okay? Because, so I should take off my Jordache jeans? Exactly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Put that flip on away, for sure. Uh, and, um, and so uh, – so now we, we live in an environment that's drastically different because of two things. Interest rates are lower and have been for a very long time. And people are just living longer. So now that 4% rate is now 3% or even lower as much as down to 2.5%. So if you think about that, if you have saved a million dollars, that's extremely impressive. But the safe withdrawal rate in the current market says that you might only be able to take 25000 to 30000 of that million out every single year to ensure you don't run out of money. And you can look this up. On, it's on the you know retirement calculators, but you just have this big pile of money and you have to take those small sips because you don't know about those unknowns. And so what the book talks about is, well, how do we get around some of those uh, unknowns? to get that uh, re uh, that withdrawal rate up to a, a more reasonable amount without necessarily saving more money. Right, sure. Interesting. So in the book, then, do you make mattress recommendations uh, yeah. or different mattress? <laughs> like what's the best mattress that holds it but still sure. gives you the lumbar support? Okay. Yeah, ex right, yeah. yep, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, what it, what it does is it kind of, um, you know, people will say, uh, a lot of people are their their retirement is all in the markets. Yeah. So the bond market, the real estate market, the stock market, and the markets are great for growth. But where the markets struggle is taking that nest egg and converting it into income. Uh, so when you're when you're retiring, what you really don't need is more money. People think I need more money. I need more money. That's not actually what you need. You need more income. 
And mm. so again, if you had that big barrel on the desert island, and if I suddenly showed up and said, well, here's a slightly bigger barrel, you still have the same problem. I've got to take small sips because I still don't know when I'm going to be rescued and what the, what the weather is going to be like. Right. Uh, same thing is true with your retirement. If you've saved a million, saving another hundred thousand is not necessarily going to mean that you can, you know, increase that withdrawal rate. It's going to just mean that it's now 3% of 1.1 million rather than 3% of, uh, of a million. And so there are some other products to maybe take a look at uh, that are not in the financial world, but are in the insurance world. And, um, you know, those can do some things that some of the financial products uh, cannot. And I think what it's what the book is about is really saying it's not that this is better than this or this is better than this. It's saying that this the financial products have certain advantages. The insurance products have certain advantages. So let's match up the advantages and the disadvantages uh, so we can just have a higher income stream in retirement. Fascinating. So, yeah, but actually, right, because, I mean, everybody just says put in the 401k and it's like mm -hmm, people talk sure. about it like it's a, uh, um, uh, a, a it calls a crock pot, right? Set it and forget yeah. it. Um, yeah. It's low and slow. It'll be fine. Uh, and uh, and so uh, but that's not necessarily the move. So does that mean typically when you are employed in a, in a standard nine to five job, you have the mm -hmm. ability to set how much of your income goes into the, whatever the matching program is for that company. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Would you still recommend that people do up to what the company would match? Otherwise you're giving money away. Um, like it's important to still kind of like, yeah, let's do, let's put as much money into, into it as the company will match. That's important. But then instead of going over that amount, instead putting it into, to, like you mentioned, some sort of insurance uh, insurance policies. I mean, I think we were talking sure. earlier, you mentioned the word annuities, uh, which is yep. a word that I, I don't know what that means, even though my dad sure. worked in insurance for his whole yep. life. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Dad. So, so, so to answer your question, the, uh, the matching, if you are lucky enough to work for a company that has matching, uh, that is free money. And free money is free money, and you just can't beat free money. Yeah. So uh, if you have matching, whatever it is, whether it's ten cents of every dollar, a dollar for dollar up to the first thousand dollars, whatever, take full advantage of that first. That's pretty much the unbeatable thing uh, in in the financial world. Even if you have credit card debt, the matching is still going to put you ahead of uh, you know when it when it all equals out. That you're yeah. probably going to do better by taking some of that matching. Um, and then just wiping out the credit card debt. Some people would argue that I understand, but free money is free money. You can't beat that. Uh, but I think once you get past that, I've maxed out my free money. I think it's just important to to ask the financial advisor that you may be working with, or even the the financial advisor at uh, maybe your um, your four hundred one k or your four hundred three b plan, and just say, okay, it seems like this four hundred one k is my plan to retirement. But what is my plan to get through retirement? And that's mm -hmm. a nice little rhyme that we can all remember. Uh, we're all a lot of us are working very hard to get to retirement, but we don't think about how do we get through it. And what we want to think about is we have money and money is great. But really what retirees need is income, which is the, you know, a constant uh, stream of money. And what's the best way to, to generate that?
Yeah, for sure. Because certainly, uh, I mean, very, very few jobs have pensions. Right. Um, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but shout out to those that do. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so, and you, sorry. So, and you just really quick, you mentioned the word annuity uh, and there are lots of annuities. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the word car, where if I say I bought a car, that means something, but it doesn't, it could mean so many different things. Yeah. Um, same thing with annuities, but uh, annuities are, are contracts with insurance companies. And it's basically, uh, in most cases, what you're doing is you're trading dollars for some sort of guaranteed income. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll give the insurance company $100,000 and they agree to give me, let's just say, uh, $7,000 a year for the rest of my life. Um, that's one kind of annuity often referred to as a single premium immediate annuity, but that's just one kind of it. But think of it as a contract with an insurance company and you're trading in most cases dollars for income, lump sums for guaranteed income. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, I know I definitely uh, fall victim to this for sure, but like the market's sexy, right? And the market's like, it's fast money, it's Wolf of Wall Street, it's buy, buy, sell, sell, yada, yada. It's all that kind of stuff and uh, control your own destiny, even though you kind of don't. Um, But right, right, but then, and then it kind of like, then you feel insurance is kind of like Eeyore, right? Like the market's Tigger and and insurance is Eeyore, (laughs) um, but like, Eeyore is still there doing just sure. fine right there right. next to Tigger. Like they're still making it. Um, right. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. But, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's very interesting because oftentimes I think, I'm, I don't know, I personally don't even ever think about insurance as mm-hmm. that kind of a, uh, I guess, a retirement, like in my retirement plan, other than like sure. get life insurance. Um, right. right. So, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is with, um, with the markets, like the markets are sexy, they do go up and down. And, you know, when the markets drop, when you're working your way to retirement, you know, we kind of are excited about that. Like the market goes down, it's a time to buy some discount stuff. And we, you know, we, it's a chance for a discount. But imagine if you're a retiree, and you're selling investments every year to pay for your income. And all of a sudden, you have to sell after the market has dropped 20%. Yeah. So now you're selling at the bottom rather than doing what you did as an investor, which is buying at the bottom. When you're selling at the bottom, that's going to make you run out, run out of money pretty quickly. Right. And that's why over the course of your financial uh, life, you know, you start out riskier with way more things in stocks sure. and then you slowly move yep. them over into bonds and, you know, obviously into things like insurance as well, it sounds like. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And bonds, bonds are wonderful. They've just been uh, having a tough time for a long time because interest rates are so low. Right. Yeah. 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 Peter, you are a wealth of information, um, and uh, I can't thank you enough. I'm curious if people have uh, questions for you. If so, please put it in the chat. Anything, again, as you can tell, uh, Peter is is exceptional um, at what he does. But uh, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, as always, if you want to hear the Q&A, uh, I encourage you to go to my YouTube channel. Type in James Robolata on YouTube. It'll pop up. Go to Peter's, uh, Peter's episode, and you can learn all about what came up with the Q&A and the wisdom that he dropped uh, in there for sure. Um, but, uh, Peter, I can't thank you enough, uh, for coming on the show, man. 
Sure, I, I, I had a great time. This is terrific. <laughs> you, are, you are wonderful and a great friend, and I'm, I'm just grateful to have you in my life. I feel very fortunate, Peter. So thank you so much. Thank you to those uh, that are listening on the podcast. As always, uh, please uh, throw a rating up there. Uh, throw a subscribe and, and download it and all those kind of things that you do with podcasts. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in, my friends. And until next time, be well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) If you could do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now, you're going to make me blush. (laughs) Also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.